Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's cast, how to stop gossip. Today we talk about that age-old problem of how to stop intra-office gossip. Here we go. So what's that old saying that we're so fond of? Management would be really easy if it weren't for uh, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I think that epigram was, I mean, I think a manager invented that. And he wasn't thinking about hiring. I wasn't thinking about promoting or developing or coaching. I think we think that manager was thinking about those people doing stupid, inefficient things like fighting and complaining and showing up late and wanting to leave early and dropping balls and gossiping. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, man, that's a worldwide management problem. And it just, man, it won't go away. Yeah. At least in some organizations. Yeah. You, you know, you hear, you're a manager and you hear rumors that Bob said X about Terry's ego or Jane said Y about Darlene's skirt. You know, feelings get hurt. Uh, work suffers, No, you know, somebody complains. And the mistake that so many managers make is they try to get to the bottom of things, which th- there's nothing there. There's no bottom. So what do you do about it? All right. Yeah, this cast is about how to stop intra-office gossip. And, and uh, we've got six recommendations. The first one is called First Set No Policy, which is the manager tools rule of policy setting, by the way. So when you mean first set no policy, clearly you mean set a no gossiping policy, right? I mean, not, not no, set no policy. No. no. Yeah, no, no. Well, I'll, I'll describe it a second. We don't, we don't like policies. <laughs> yeah. We don't, too many managers want to set a policy. And it's oh, okay. Okay. Right. So, so you mean it yeah. just literally the way you said it, set no policy. Okay. Yeah. Set no, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. You yeah, know you just trying to be clever. <laughs> um, number two, give feedback to people who are, you're told are gossiping. Number three, only accept the behavior as proof, as reason to give feedback. Um, Number four, the question you have to ask yourself is, do you trust the input? Number five, don't worry about being right, which is a big downfall of a lot of managers. Uh, And number six, keep the feedback at the lowest level you possibly can. Don't send it up the chain and have somebody big do the the dirty work for you, because that sends the same message as first set no policy. Excellent. Okay, so let's go back to the point about first set no policy. That's got to be a a shock to some folks because I think a lot of managers, when they're first faced with this, they feel like they've got to sit down, you know, they got to set their their foot down and declare that they are going to accept no gossip. And they got to come out with some kind of written or or, or verbal policy and get everybody in front of them at a staff meeting and give them the what for about gossiping. And we're suggesting you don't do that. Yeah, the, the two biggest questions that we get about policy are gossip and dress code. And I'm sure people smile at dress code because they think, yeah, that's right. You know, a lot of, a lot of firms have dress codes. Well, first of all, l- let's be clear. If you're a manager and you have bosses and bosses above bosses, you can't set policy, right? Policy is for the organization. Okay. So it's a little bit misleading for an individual manager to say, I'm going to set a policy. But frankly, you know, you and I were talking about this years from now, it's possible this cast will be as much remembered for this idea, the manager's rule of policy setting, as it is for addressing gossip. 
And look, when, when managers ask us for policy and they often ask, okay, what's your recommendations for a written policy? They ask about gossip, they ask about dress code. You know, part of that is because gossip never seems to go away. Nobody feels like they can get it under control, like you said. So they need some other form of authority to management. If I have a policy, they think, I don't have to do anything. The policy will be the enforcer. Yeah, that works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that that doesn't work, right? Policies themselves don't cause the stopping or starting of almost anything, least of all something virtually everyone is drawn into at some time or another, like gossip, right? And look, everybody who's listening to this is gossiped at one time or another. But the important fact here is that managers mistakenly believe that they need more or different or better authority than what they already have. And folks, we don't. If you're a manager, you have all the authority you need. You don't need to create additional authority by writing a policy. So we have the manager tools rule of policymaking, which is first set no policy. You don't need a policy to help you enforce what you believe is reasonable and effective. Don't write one. It's a waste of time. You have all the authority and power you need at any time to stop any behavior you deem inefficient, unproductive, or shoot, in the case of gossip, counterproductive, right? If you don't believe it's helpful, what they're doing, tell your direct to stop. If you're tempted to say, we have a policy, catch yourself, and then say instead, I have a policy. The fact that there's no difference organizationally is interesting, but I think it's fascinating that when I have talked to clients and I said, stop saying we have a policy and say, I have a policy, it sends a completely different message to the direct. The direct says, wow, this person is running their own show as opposed to leaning on somebody else's dry, dusty, written document that probably was approved by a lawyer somewhere. Exactly. We had interesting on the, on the on the discussion forums, we had a new manager who just recently said something along the lines of, he was talking about feedback. And he said, you know, he, he after listening to manager tools for several months, he finally had an epiphany. It was around feedback, which was he was responsible for telling folks what they were doing wrong and right. It wasn't an organizational responsibility. It wasn't written down in a policy <laughs> somewhere. It's like he actually had to walk around and catch people doing things right and giving them a um, positive feedback or catch them doing things incorrectly and encourage them by giving them negative feedback. And, you know, it, I can imagine some people go, oh, that sounds kind of silly. Of course, that's true. Well, for new managers, it's not. He didn't know. It's, it's, it's not necessarily known. So Yeah, exactly. It's a great point. Yeah, he didn't know, right? And you can make a case. You could easily, as the alien dropped in the middle of a large organization today, you could make the case that managers aren't responsible for that because managers aren't doing it. Now, local managers might be responsible for punishing people for things they see that are wrong. But, but yeah, I think that's a good – I'm glad he had the epiphany. You're right, yeah. Look, we don't need policies to get our teams to engage in effective behavior. We need managers who actively manage, who know their people, and respond to what they see and hear. doesn't take a policy to do that. It takes day-to-day -day managerial effectiveness. Right. Since we don't have a policy, or some people would say, since you don't have a policy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point, right? Yeah. People are going to engage in gossip, like everybody goes and reads the policies, right? But but right. bear with me. So we don't have a policy, so people are going to engage in gossip. So then what do we do? How do we stop it? We can't stop with a policy, so what do we do? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, look, gossip is just behavior, right? 
It's one person saying something about some other person that is negative, but probably thought to be interesting. Some gossip is false, some isn't. The first problem with it is that the time spent doing it isn't delivering value to your organization, right? Secondly, the really big one in my mind is it's unprofessional because it tears down morale. In the manager tools universe, there are two grounds for termination, failure to perform if you don't do your job, and behaviors destructive to the team. That's interesting because um, a lot of folks miss the second piece of it, right? They think that the only way they can, reason they can fire somebody is because failure to perform. Right. And in fact, it is appropriate to fire somebody for behaviors destructive to the team. Yeah, because, because that particular behavior may not make them ineffective enough that they're, they're failing to perform, but they're causing a systemic failure to perform that is worse in the long run than their individual failure. Yeah, we've got to come back to that, and we won't go down a rabbit hole here, but I can't tell you how many people have come to me and said, well, I can't take any disciplinary action against him. He's the best programmer oh. we have. Oh, right? you know, yeah. You, I'm sorry, because I don't want to take you down this yeah, rabbit hole. Yeah, oh, please, let's talk about that. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, folks, we'll, we'll, we'll mark that down. We'll come back to that in the future cast. Yeah, that, that that really sends a a bad message, right? Okay. Anyway, um, I won't I won't get started. Look, so gossip is just behavior, and it's behavior that we don't want to tolerate. And look, let me go further. Regardless of whether it's true or not, regardless of whether it's true or not, all we need to know is that people who work for us or, or for other people, hypothetically, are spending time in behavior. Again, that's all gossip is: is behavior that is detrimental to morale. That's all we need to know. Then immediately, if you're a professional, if you've had that epiphany, right, you know you have to do something about that. So then the question is what? And then we ask, what is the simple, direct, virtually immediate way to address a behavior problem when you're a manager? Okay. I hope all the longtime listeners have this in their mind already. Because if not, we have completely failed. Yeah, exactly. And the answer, of course, is feedback. You know, the manager tools, non-policy required, simple and direct way of addressing the inevitable problem of gossip is to give behavioral feedback to the people who are doing it. That's all. Yeah. And if you listen to, I, I know we must have done at least 10 or so podcasts yeah. specifically about feedback at this point. So if you listen to those, you know exactly what we mean. Well, frankly, even if you haven't gotten around to quite using it yet. <laughs> right. Yeah. So maybe maybe the, the challenge of lousy morale and your failure at playing a whack of gospel give you a eh, give you some pause and maybe cause you to go and try this a little bit. It's good whack of gossip, right? Yeah, yeah. In fact, that that's what some managers say. They're like, "Well, I talked to Bob, and then he said, well, no, it was Terry.' So I went to talk to Terry, and then she said Jane, and then uh, like, no, don't don't do that. Don't you know? Uh, I remember I learned early on, like like the guy you mentioned in the forums having an epiphany. One of my epiphanies was the smart officers did not play who shot John. In other words, go down and try to find who's to blame and go do an investigation on what happened and why. You just talk to your people about what they're doing and what they're not doing. And then far too many managers want to get to the root of the problem. It doesn't matter what the root of the problem is. People are still going to do stupid things and other people are going to gossip about them. And you can't stop people from doing stupid things, but you can intervene when gossip gets going. Okay. We're talking about the feedback casts, right? Feedback is the second member of the manager tools trinity. It's at the core of what highly effective and man effective managers and executives do, which is they talk regularly and specifically with their directs about their directs performance. 
And our model is a simple one that works in all situations, and it's designed to help you get to a high-performing team or a high-performing organization. Now, under the circumstances, it's worthwhile because we're talking about gossip, and there are some people who are listening, uh, probably a number, who have not listened to those casts. We continue to grow, and people join us all the time. We're going to spend a few minutes just walking through quickly the feedback model. You know, if you're a longtime listener, don't tune out because you'll probably hear something that will help you again, maybe another epiphany, um, but we'll walk through that. And the first thing we've got to say about feedback is the purpose of all manager tools feedback is to encourage effective behavior. Effective managers don't punish what has already happened. Punishment only increases the likelihood that the, the person who has been punished is going to try to avoid punishment. What's done is done, folks. Effective managers either encourage different behavior in the future if what they saw was wrong or ineffective, as opposed to punishing it, or they encourage more of the same in the case of effective behaviors. If you want change in in the behaviors and outcomes and results of your team, you use feedback. If you want more of the same, you use feedback. It's just a question of whether or not it's positive or negative feedback. Right. Okay. So for those who haven't heard the feedback model, real quickly, how, how do we do that? Yeah, let's do a very high level. First, the first thing you do is you ask your direct, can I give you some feedback or can I share something with you? We ask first because we want the direct to know they're, they're about to hear our opinion about their behavior. If they're not ready to hear it, there's no sense in us sharing. Folks, you're not so busy that you should be able to just tell your folks when it's convenient for you. Their behavior is what is at issue here, and your convenience can work against that. So we ask with the idea that if it's not a good time for them, since we're going to be talking about them, we're going to let it go and talk to them maybe later. Okay. If they say no, the time's not right. They're busy. They're upset. They're worried. They're not ready. We walk away. Again, no sense in talking if they're not going to hear us. Okay. When we say, can I give you some feedback? And they say, yes. Or can I share something with you? And they say, sure, boss. Then we say, step two, when you do X, X being whatever it was, the, whatever the behavior was, we start by describing what they did. And I just mentioned behavior. We describe their behavior. There are five and only five behaviors. The words one says, how one says them, one's tone and inflection, facial expressions, body language, and work product, timeliness, quality, documents, delivery of objectives and projects, and so on, okay? So we don't say, using the examples, the background here on behavior, so we don't say when you're a jerk, because jerk is not behavior. Yeah, now look, folks, we know you know they were a jerk. They probably know it as well, and you're both right. But they didn't do jerk. Jerk isn't behavior. It's a conclusion we've drawn from their behavior. When we give feedback, we stick with behavior because it's unarguable. If, if we call somebody a jerk, what will they say? No, I'm not. Yeah, exactly. If we say somebody has a bad attitude, if I say, Mike, when you have a bad attitude, what are you going to say to me every time? No, I don't. Yeah, exactly. Right. So let's note, why will people push back when we talk about our conclusions rather than their behavior? Well, the first, the simple thing is because behavior is unarguable, right? Either they said the words they did or they didn't, right? Whereas conclusions 
which is, by the way, what 99% of managers talk to their directs about, is the manager's conclusion rather than the direct's behavior. We're not saying that the conclusion doesn't follow logically from the behavior. We're saying talking about your conclusion, however right it is, makes it very difficult for your directs to change their behavior. Okay? If somebody rolls their eyes and crosses their arms, and many of you have heard this example before, but Mike and I use it because we've seen this happen in meetings, despite how egregious it seems. If somebody rolls their eyes, crosses their arms, and says, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard to a customer in a meeting, we can all agree they're being a jerk. But again, if we want their behavior to change, calling them a jerk isn't effective because they're going to argue with us about it. And look, when we get into the whole discussion of, how, you know, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, if they say that to a customer, some of them are going to say they're right. That, that is the stupidest thing they've ever heard. So if they say something that's true, it's a positive defense against being a jerk, which, of course, is irrelevant. It doesn't really matter. And, of course, if they're arguing about whether they're right or not, that makes things much harder for us because they're arguing about rightness. And we're trying to talk to them about what they did. And it's all because we call them a jerk rather than focusing on behavior. Right. Okay. So at this point, we, we've asked, can I give you some feedback? They said yes. Right. And then we say, when you do X and we describe behavior. Yeah, exactly. And at this point, we say or communicate, here's what happens. We describe the impact of what they did. Okay. Be useful since we're talking about gossip. Give me some examples of some impacts of gossip that folks could use when giving feedback to their folks about this inappropriate behavior. I'll start with a couple of standard ones that many people have heard just to get us rolling, and then I'll give you uh, several gossip ones. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, and what I'll do is I'll combine steps two and three. I'm going to combine when you do X, here's what happens. Okay. And, and in every single one, I'm going to start with when you. In the first couple I'll use the here's what happened phrase to make clear the transition from you took an action and then this is the response that the part steps two and three together are stimulus and response action and reaction. But, but in the later ones, I'm just going to leave that out because I want people to, to get comfortable leaving out if they want. Okay. Um, so here are five examples. When you're late, here's what happens. It slows us down. Okay. Another one. When you cross your arms. That's it. That's it. That didn't seem to take very long. Okay. No, cool. yeah, okay, it's so brief, 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 yeah. yeah. When you cross your arms and roll your eyes, here's what happens. Everybody thinks you're a jerk, me included, okay? When you talk privately about another employee's personal life and then laugh about it, it's gossip and I won't tolerate it. When you say to Bob, you think the new guy is a loser and you're not going to help him, you're being disrespectful to somebody on our team and that's not acceptable to me, Okay. When you whisper to the same person in the same meeting five times and giggle while looking at our new intern, it's disrespectful. And I know you know that. And others then end up telling me you're gossiping about the new intern. And that takes their time as well as mine. So in every one of those cases, all we did was say, you took an action, you did something, and here are the outcomes that are coming out of it. Now, in this case, just to be clear, all of those are negative feedback because we know that's what most of you have in your mind right now. Right. And, and real clear, step two, the behavior is, in fact, behavior. The words you say, how you say them, body language, facial expressions, yes. work product. But the consequences don't necessarily have to be behavior. They can be, you know, you thinking it's a jer- thinking he's a jerk, right? Right, like, exactly. Like there's yeah. a characterization there. But that's in the third step, not the second step. The second step has to be behavior. 
Yeah, you notice it didn't say in the last three examples, we didn't say when you gossip, I won't tolerate it. I said, when you talk privately about another employee's personal life and then laugh about it. Behavior. It's right? go- yeah, that's the behavior. Then then the conclusion is it's gossip. Just like when you cross your arms and roll your eyes and say that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, you're a jerk, right? Gossip is a characterization. The behaviors are talking behind people's back and and laughing and, and uh, statements that are detrimental to the team. Good. All right, so that's three steps. What's the fourth step? Yeah. Now we talk about the future because the whole point of feedback is to encourage effective behavior. And the word encourage by definition means we're talking about the future. We can't encourage the past. The past is already done. There's no encouragement to be done there. The final step, we agree on the future. If you're giving positive feedback, you say, thanks, keep it up. If it's negative feedback, we ask for different behavior in the future. We ask the direct to agree to change their behavior. It's as simple as, can you do that differently? Or will you please stop this for me? Can I count on you to stop talking about others behind their backs? What could you do differently next time faced with that situation? Those are all questions designed to get, now they're different questions, um, but they're all designed to get the direct to commit to new or different behavior. So what that means is we don't need a policy on gossip. We just need to address the behavior of it with negative feedback. When you're told that somebody is gossiping and you decide you have enough information to do so fairly, give the gossiper negative feedback about it. If it continues, there are steps to go through called systemic feedback and the feedback casts that'll help you with those really incorrigible situations. And and we're not going to go into that now. The important thing I said there is, yeah, yeah, you're told somebody's gossiping and you have to decide that you have enough information to talk to them fairly. The question now is, how do you know you have enough information to give feedback fairly? Since in the case of gossip, and I think this is one of the things that people cause managers to stumble on it, too often we're not the ones hearing the feedback ourselves, right? It always seems to come from a third party. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens all the time, right? I get, you know, you get a call from, uh, from, uh, let's call him Communicator Christopher, because he likes to communicate a lot. And he, he <laughs> says, hey, I don't know if you know it, boss, but Gossiping Gary has been gossiping about Target Tom, and Tom's feeling ostracized. And frankly, boss, I knew you'd want to know about it and do something about it. What do you yeah. do then? Because, you know, that's, yeah. that, that's generally how it happens, right? You don't necessarily hear it firsthand. Yeah, the two key things you've got to keep in mind, if you say to yourself, okay, gossip is behavior, and I address behavior with feedback, when it comes to gossip, and this is also true generally, that there are two things we need to do is we've got to make sure we're talking about behavior, we only accept behavior as proof, and we'll talk about that here for just a minute, and then in a little bit we'll talk about whether or not you trust your source, that's the other thing you've got to be sure about before you go give them feedback about gossip, okay? So in, in your situation, Christopher has come to us and said, Gary's gossiping about Tom, right? Right. The problem is, in your example, we can't use that example. Why? I mean, well, just 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 go through it again. Um, Christopher comes to us, and what does he say? He says that this guy Gary, I call him Gossiping Gary, is gossiping about Tom, right? And Tom's feeling ostracized, right? Rightfully so. He wants me to do something about it. Yeah. Okay. But we can't use that. 
right? We can't give feedback about what you just told us because you don't, you haven't given us any behavior to talk to communicate. To, I'm, I'm sorry, no, we wouldn't be talking to Chris. We'd be talking to gossiping Gary here, right? right? We wouldn't talk to Gary because you haven't given us behavior. All we know is that Chris saw something that he characterized as gossip. Now look, we're not saying he's wrong. He probably isn't. It's not hard to figure out what gossip is, right? But the fact that he's right, folks, and that you believe, well, we'll talk about that in a minute, that he's probably right, and that you think we should give feedback to Gary if we can, it doesn't mean we can do so if we don't know the specific behavior we're going to talk to Gary about. And the problem so often is people bring us characterizations by saying people are gossiping and we need to do something about it. And of course, then we the mistake we make is we go tell people, hey, you know, you're gossiping and I want it to stop. And of course, gossiping is a characterization. And what do people do when we characterize as opposed to focus on behavior? They say, no, I wasn't. Right. Right, and then we're then we're back to playing who shot John. Right. So, assuming I am uh, Christopher coming to you, right? What would you say? What would you do if I if I simply said, "Hey, Tom was was gossiping"? What would you do? No, or G- Gary was gossiping Gary about was, Tom. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Okay. So, so how do the question really is how do we get to the behavior? Right. Okay. So here's what we do. We say, okay, what specifically did Gary say? When did he say it? Where did he say it? What words did he use? Did he name Tom specifically? And how did he do that? Okay. Now, this is just an example, but far, far, far too many reenactments of conversations that we hear are full of, from people like Communicator Chris in this situation, they're full of characterizations and not behavior. And you can't give feedback based on the characterization. So look, folks, it's actually entirely possible that Communicator Chris doesn't have the details we need in order to give feedback. Yeah, so what do you do then? Yeah, look, if you ask Chris for specifics and he doesn't have any, you don't do anything. You do nothing because you can't give feedback about characterizations. So you ask him, hey, look, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, you're, you're not giving me enough for me to go give feedback to somebody. And because Communicator Chris works for us, he's gotten feedback from us, right? He knows what feedback is, but you tell him, look, I need behavior and I'm not going to string somebody up, you know, just because uh, somebody said they were gossiping because I tell you something else too. When people characterize a conversation, it keeps it intentionally vague. And that's the purview, particular purview of people who want it to be vague because they want to use it against somebody. You don't do anything about this situation. You tell Chris, go, if it's a problem, it'll happen again and come back and tell me what you heard, what you saw, what you heard. And, and I tell you, I'll never forget the time that a communicator, Chris came to me and said, Hey, look, Joe's gossiping. I, you need to do something about it. I'm like, oh, okay. And I started asking questions and he said, well, actually, I'm sorry. I can't tell you what the behavior was. Cause I heard it from Tim. <laughs> and I said, you heard from Tim that Joe's gossiping. And now you're talking to me. I, you know, I, I think I said something like, separate from the fact that we're wasting a lot of organizational resources on this one particular person gossiping. Gosh, don't you guys know how to solve problems? You don't, you know, you don't kick it up the chain of command five levels. And if you start kicking st- the stuff up the chain of command five levels all the time, don't complain when all the decisions are made at the top, right? Right, right. So look, if you don't have behavior, you don't give feedback. If Chris never comes back, it's for one of two reasons, most likely. First, he, he doesn't know how to get the information you want, and he lets it drop. Okay, look, that that's not good, but it's not that much different from him not having come to us in the first place. And, and by the way, folks, it's not a sin 
to not know everything in your organization, even when you're responsible for it, okay? But look, if the problem continues and Chris doesn't come back, either you'll see it or somebody else is going to bring it to your attention if it's, if it's egregious enough, okay? The other likelihood here is that he goes looking for the gossip behavior and he can't find any, right? Now, look, if you're into punishment, this isn't good. Because you want to punish that gossiper, and now you don't have any raw material or any evidence to do so. Sorry about that. But if you're into feedback and focusing on the future and encouraging the right stuff going forward, the fact is you don't care that you haven't given feedback to, in this case, Gary, because the purpose of the feedback has already been achieved. Gary's not gossiping, right? If he goes out and looks for it and then realizes a one-off thing, you should be glad that you're not giving feedback because the behavior stopped. And that's what you wanted to begin with, with your, with your feedback. Yeah. It's kind of a nice outcome. Yeah. You mentioned the source because I've run into situations before where somebody came up to me, gave me some examples of somebody else's behavior, negative behavior, wanted me to do something about it. But I knew deep in my soul that this person they weren't really trying to improve organizational effectiveness. They just had a vendetta against this guy, and they wanted to get him in trouble. And it doesn't feel good as a manager to be used like that. Yeah. So, so talk to me a little bit about the source of the, the yeah. behavior. If you're not sure, if you don't believe, if you don't trust that what you're being told is accurate, truthful, and not biased based on the communicator, then you don't do anything. If you can't be sure that what you're hearing is being fairly delivered to you, you don't do anything at all. Now, look, if Chris brings you a bunch of other stuff that you question, then you need to start looking for behaviors you can give feedback to to Chris, right? Right. It's possible you're being misled. It's not as likely as most managers think that all their directs are constantly manipulating the boss. It's not that simple. But it does happen, and it's not trivial in terms of percentages. Uh, of course, asking for behavior is a oh. way of getting around that, right? I mean, that's that's, yeah. that's most likely what happens is people don't come up in the, like in the scenario I described where they give me specific behavior. Generally, it's, oh, he was gossiping or he was a jerk or whatever. Right. Yeah. They don't want to be too precise. They love to characterize, right? So note, we say, we recommend here, you do nothing. We don't recommend you go looking for evidence. You're going to be less likely to find it in your team than other people because you're the boss and people behave differently around you, duh, right? And frankly, you're going to be wasting your time. And look, okay, if you get lucky and you see it, okay, address it with feedback, but don't play detective. That's not your job. We can promise you right now that there is gossiping happening in, there's gossip happening in your organization. Shut your mouth. No way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you go looking and you're careful about it, you'll see it. But look, not all gossip can be killed. Just like all lateness, you know, managers saying, lateness must not be tolerated. Yeah, well, <laughs> okay, fine. Why is everybody late all the time, right? The gossip you worry about as a manager is behavior that affects the results or the team. And if that is happening, somebody will likely tell you about it or you really will see it, okay? So, Let's go back to trust again. Think about why this is so important. Chris is telling us about the problem, but we're going to give feedback about Gary. What do most people do when they know you don't have firsthand knowledge of a situation? In other words, Gary, when we're talking to him, knows we weren't there. 
So they know, what, what is it they know? They know that somebody else told you. And when we start talking to them about something that we weren't there to observe, what do they always want to know? What do they always say? Yeah. Who told you? <laughs> yeah. Who told you that? And that's not what happened. And they can get away with saying that's not what happened because you weren't there. And here's why the acid test of trust is so important. If you're going to give feedback to somebody about their behavior, you give it as if you were there. You don't say you heard from somebody else because everybody knows in 99% of the situations, the information is tainted or otherwise unclear, right? Something's lost in the translation. Okay. Again, because of the characterization versus behavior, you have to believe what you're being told enough that you can deliver it as if you saw it. And the way to think about this is to ask yourself, did this really happen? In other words, do I trust the person, do I trust the person who's telling me is doing so fairly and professionally? And then secondly, can I see the person at issue here engaging in this kind of behavior? And if you can't trust the person or you can't get to seeing that other person doing that thing, if you answer no to either one of those questions, you don't give feedback. Right. How do you address the, the issue of who told you, though? You mean if Gary says, yeah, okay, who, told, who, who you? told you this, right? Yeah. He yeah. knows you weren't there, right? It was a meeting. It was some behavior that Gary engaged in at a meeting that you weren't at. So he knows you weren't there. Somebody told you. How do you, how do you address that? Yeah. Okay. So look, when he asked that, first of all, since you believe it's true, it doesn't matter who told you. You believe it. It happened, right? So you must be ready to say with conviction, well, Gary, it doesn't matter. What matters is I'm telling you. And look, you could also add if you wanted, and I believe it, regardless of where I heard it from. They'll figure out that you're serious. You're not going to throw your tattletale in their mind underneath the bus. And you're going to say, well, I believe it. And, and look, lest anybody push back, remember what we're doing here. We're following the feedback model. Rely on that rather than on winning some discussion with your direct. The fact that your direct disagrees doesn't matter. And if you say to me, well, Mark, I don't want them to be upset. What? So in other words, as long as, so as you don't want somebody to be upset, if they're gossiping, they get to keep gossiping, right? The problem with the whole, I don't want them to be upset is the amount of managerial time it takes to get perfectly accurate information. I mean, perfectly accurate information, literally a videotape of somebody uh, gossiping, the amount of managerial time it takes that is probably more than the damage the gossip is doing. But that doesn't mean the gossip is doing no damage. It's doing enough that you need to do something about it. So you push back on your direct and you say what you're doing is inappropriate and I want it to stop. Not in those words, right? But you have a conversation that you could characterize that way. And when they push back, we say, we don't care. Stay calm. Deliver a polite message. Be firm but polite. And ignore their pushback. Because... You're not talking about whether or not they did it. You're saying they did. That's the conversation you're having. And let them push back all they want. But in your mind, all you want them to know is, hey, you did it. I believe you did it. And there are bad implications from that. And I'd like you to change your behavior. Okay. But I'm a manager. I've been around longer than most of my directs. And, you know, fr frankly, I know more. And therefore, I should be right most of the time. So... What if I'm wrong? I mean, I could be wrong. What if I'm wrong? I mean, I, I need to know I'm right. Because if I'm wrong, okay. I'm, gonna, well, I'm just going to look like an idiot. 
Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry that you are interested in being right. Uh, one of the fundamental choices that managers and executives make is choosing to be effective over choosing to be right. Okay, let's just take that to task a little bit, the whole wanting to be right. Suppose you deliver feedback to somebody who doesn't push back, and you're wrong. What you tell them is actually wrong. Okay. But the problem never happens again. You went down there with the intent of stopping the behavior. Now, you say you want to be right. And, of course, you know, in theory, you can't maximize two things. You can't maximize your rightness and your effectiveness about changing their behavior. You have to pick one or the other. Uh, you don't know my special math. I'm going to have some special. Yeah, exactly. Special sp- yeah, math. good, good. I forgot. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but look, suppose you go down there and you give them feedback about a situation and you're wrong in some fashion, but they stop. Cool. Would you not do that because you were wrong? Um, no, I, I absolutely. I, I, I do that. I, I achieve my objective. <laughs> yeah. So in other words, what you're saying is I only want to be right because I'm talking about somebody who wouldn't push back in that situation. I only really want to be right when somebody pushes back. So in other words, what what you're saying is I have to prove I'm right to the people who stand up for themselves. What kind of managerial mentality is that, right? What if you're right and the person doesn't push back? Well, that's an ideal situation. Good, good to go on that. Yeah, yeah. What if you try to be right for the person who does push back what if you're right and the person pushes back? What are you going to do? If I'm right and the person pushes back? Yeah. I'm going to lay out the facts for him and prove to him I'm right. Because I, I need to win. Okay. So you're right and they push back and saying it's not so. But you're right. Let's say there's a third party that says, oh, actually, you know, Mike is right. But they keep pushing back. What are you going to do? You're going to spend an hour with them because you can't make them agree that you're right, that they might say that they're, you're right, but in fact, they're going to think you're wrong. Here's the problem. You want them to think the way you think, and they've already proven that they don't because they're gossiping. The fact that you're right requires a third party, and in this situation, there are none other than your organizational power, which means that you don't need to prove anything to them. So I get in this big battle and yeah, it becomes a battle and, and I lose. It's, it's no longer about encouraging the the, yep. the future. It becomes about being right and becomes an argument. And I don't get any change in behavior because all yep. I've done is pissed them off, frankly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So look, when you try to be right, it totally hurts us. With gossip, there are detractors working against this. You know, look, you may be using third party information. Your direct's going to be suspicious. And the first thing they're going to think about is who told him that, right? Even though we believe communicator Chris in this situation, or again, if we don't believe him, we don't do anything at all. So if we're having the conversation, we must have believed him. We have to know that we won't have as perfect information we, as we would have had if we had observed the gossip ourselves. So look, I, I feel for you because that makes us feel less than 100% about the interaction. And we mistakenly get into a battle over proving who's right. All right. So I think I'm right. He pushes back. Right. I don't want to get in an argument. <laughs> so what do I do? Yeah, it's really, look, this is our ace in the hole. We have a a concept that's in our feedback uh, cast series called the shot across the bow concept. And it's just an extension of the manager tools feedback system. It's how we handle conflict. Conflict. When our direct pushes back or disagrees or wants to argue about some part of what happened or why we're talking to him and, and not everybody else around here who gossips too, by the way, we're simply going to walk away. We're not going to engage. We're not going to try to be right. We're not going to argue. We're not going to get mad that they're pushing back. 
We're not going to try to win or even make any more points. When our direct pushes back, we're going to say, perhaps I was wrong. Let's just let it go. Wow. Yeah, look, we're not trying to win. We're the boss. We don't need to win. We're the boss. We win every time we want to. You've made your point, which is that you know Gary was gossiping, and you've asked him to change his behavior. Even if he hasn't answered and we walk away, they know that we know they were doing it. When they push back, they, they want to push back about some minor thing that wasn't true or that somebody else lured them into this bad conversation, right? The fact is, just having that, letting them push back and walking away from the pushback still does what we want to do with feedback. It encourages them to stop gossiping. You could do this a couple of times where they push back and say, oh, that's not what happened. And say, well, okay. Just wanted you to know, though. I think it's important that you know that I believe it did. And let them stew with the fact that they think, maybe they think they go back to their friends and they say, I, I proved to him he was wrong. He, he said, oh, I'm sorry. I'm mistaken. I'll probably walk away. And then everybody goes, yeah, and you're gossiping. <laughs> and if you do that three or four times, they're going to figure it out. And if they don't figure it out, at some point, you're going to say, look, you're not hearing me. You're gossiping. I know you are, and it's going to stop, or you're going to be gone. Not in a week, not in a month, but that's systemic feedback, and that's a whole other cast. Yeah, go check it out if you're interested in that. So, okay, so we got to cover one more point, and, and this is a brief one, but the lowest manager involved in this situation is the one to be delivering the feedback to his or her directs. you got to keep this at the lowest level, and it's not appropriate just to kind of take this up the chain. Somebody's gossiping, i got to get my boss involved, or my boss's boss involved. Yeah. Yeah, look, look, remember what we started with, the first set no policy. We don't need more power than we already have as a manager. Every manager who's listening to this cast has enough role power and authority to stop directs from tearing apart the team with gossip. For that very reason, since we have enough power, we don't need our boss doing the talking to our directs. If my directs is the one gossiping, even if it's about my peer, I'm the manager that's best to talk to him. If I don't know what to do and I go to my boss to find out what to do about one of my directs gossiping, it's not recommended that my boss go and talk to my direct. That's just like using policy. It's an unnecessary show of force. And the bad thing is, is it weakens me as the direct boss of the offending gossiper. And that's never good. So keep it at the lowest level you possibly can. Okay. I think that gets us to wrap up, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Okay. So look, folks, don't worry when you hear about gossip. It's going to happen everywhere, right? My dad says the definition of conflict is two human beings in the same county, right? Gossip is just behavior. And that means the managerial answer is feedback. Don't call it gossip. That's an emotionally charged word. Give feedback when you believe your source is trustworthy. Spending time figuring out what actually happened is wasteful, even if you could find out the real story. If you're wrong, it's just one time. Yeah, they'll deny it, but they've been gossiping. You give them a shot across the bow and trust that it's going to go away. And if after months you've got a, a somebody who's fomenting things out there, call him in and tell him you know it's him. If you're right, he'll stop. If you're wrong, he'll leave. And nobody, nobody, to your point earlier, is good enough at whatever else they do to be allowed to tear down the team. Absolutely not. You don't need a policy. Give feedback to people who are gossiping. Make sure you get behavior about what they were doing as opposed to characterizations. Ask yourself whether or not I trust the, the person who's given it to me. They're not going to throw this other person under the bus, that they're doing it professionally and ethically. 
Don't worry about being right. That's the problem when we talk about personal behaviors like gossip. And then again, keep it at the lowest level. Simple. Excellent. All right, my friend. Thanks, partner. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you all again next week. Meantime, join us on the discussion forums, www.managertools.com. We'll see you there. So long.